This is The Prather Point. We are strangers in a strange land. Lawfare refugees in a lawless time. As their Pharisees' forefathers did, today's attorneys weaponize the law. New high priests are titled PhDs. In our post-republic dragocracy, healers are killers, vaccines are poisons, Nazis are heroes, schools are pedoed, teachers trannied, big church puts Paul over Yeshua. Our enemies are not in Russia, but D.C. We enter a new year of constant crisis, choreographed by the corrupted. The great call is begun. Castles were besieged. Now our bodies are. Smallpox blankets and mustard gas replaced by mRNA, 5G, and hydrogel. America is gone, assassinated by Antifa. But there are still Americans. Most will be killed, but a few crucibled. As Herodotus said, the hundredth will be a warrior and rally others. And bitterly blooded, as a Dunkirk will learn, and as iron sharpens iron over the bodies of the dead, we will rise again. I'm a retired soldier, special agent, and spy, turned whistleblower warrior, served and sabotaged, rejected and redeemed, failed and forgiven, betrayed and saved, rejected revenge, humbled and blessed, repurposed in redemption as chaplain, leader, teacher, and truth teller. Now your intelligence officer, following God, leading my family, and any that choose to join on our long walk to faith and freedom. Welcome, a blessed new year. I'm Jeff Prather, and this is The Prather Point. Happy to be with you. Uh, please go to jeffreyprather.com, subscribe for my free uh, updates. You can go in the store and get very useful things in there uh, as well. You can also go to patreon.com slash jeffreyprather and sign up at the $5, $15, or $25 levels. Can't afford that. You can go to jeffreyprather.locals.com for free. So a lot of the things we're going to talk about today, you can find on Patreon and some of it uh, on Locals as well. Um, so I am always hope-filled and I'm always faith-filled, but it is going to get really rough. Easy is over. You're going to have to hunt it, grow it, find it, or make it. Uh, and that is going to be very important this year. But I want to start off uh, the year kind of reviewing uh, the last uh, and all of the lawfare. And so that's the title of this uh, show uh, is Lawfare uh, in the Landless, uh, in the Law of the Landless of where we are at now. And there's nobody better to do that with than my good friend and fellow patriot, uh, Todd Callender. Uh, Todd, welcome back. Happy New yeah. Year. Well, blessed New Year to you. <laughs> blessed New Year to you. Thanks for having me, Jeffrey. So you are doing so much great work, and I'm trying to keep up on all the great stuff that you're doing with Dr. Vleet and uh, Tenpenny and uh, Pete Chambers and, and everybody else. Uh, but uh, so I wanted to uh, go over because I spent a lot of time and Team America did working on with uh, Carrie Lake uh, and with uh, Mark Fincham and Dan McCulley and Brian Blem uh, and Kurt Olson behind the scenes. Uh, because I build Arizona as America's Alamo, that has now fallen. Uh, the, the legal system, the federal legal system, at least as far as I'm concerned, and I was in it um, for a long time, is completely fallen and corrupted. And I don't see uh, any uh, hope there. But I do see hope 
through the states. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. All action is local, right? All results are local. We have no control over what happens in D.C., and that's been proven to us. Um, I, I admire your efforts in Arizona, by the way. That, that really was the Alamo. And if nothing else, we figured out that the, the federal extension, the federal power also extends to, to key states, battleground states and battleground races. So our, our election, um, I guess, what would you call it, apparatus itself is broken. So the question is, how do we build a society? How do we govern a society with true representation, given all of the circumstances that you found out, given all the dirty things that happened? And my sense is, Jeffrey, that we have to abandon the federal system and rebuild our own, a parallel society, effectively. Yeah, unconventional warfare, foreign internal development is is the special forces terms for that. You know, I totally agree. And I think there's an analogy there. I'm from Cincinnati, but I don't follow football uh, because even though I was I was going to get my master's degree there at our ROTC, I saw the big uh, coach, can't remember his name, but not really interested in grown males playing uh, kids game. But I guess there was a famous football player who just died on the field. And this is following what football, not soccer, which everybody else calls footballers, uh, are dropping dead. And I see an analogy there of screw taping is they're killing off their own forces because I guess this football, Damar, I think his name was, was a big um, uh, proponent uh, of the jab and the boosters and all the operating systems of the genetic slavery. Um, So I see that in parallel with the fact that the uh, U.S. Virgin Islands uh, Attorney General was just uh, fired. That's... um, that's um, uh, Denise George uh, was just fired over the weekend. And I can tell you uh, now that Fed's working over the weekend, that that shows panic because unless you're on call, you know, it's just an agent, special agent or act, uh, duty assistant United States attorney or duty uh, federal judge, you know, getting the Fed to do anything on weekend. I go back far enough to remember federal Fridays. I, when they we'd have beer in the offices and then take the beer cans out and back in the real old days. But, but I see (laughs) that again as their own system collapsing. So we have to uh, keep the local system going until they are collapsed. But what are your thoughts on that? Um, You know, I've, I've got experience. I live in the Caribbean, so I can tell you that the U S Virgin islands is the most corrupt of all of the places in the Caribbean. So to, to have a uh, attorney general from down there getting fired over the weekend is a big deal, not just because it was over the weekend, but because it is um, so captured in every respect. You know, the, all of those people are installed one way or another. So she must have gone off the reservation or something um, in order for that to happen. So there's big changes happening, undoubtedly. And in terms of taking out their own, isn't that what always happens in communist revolutions? They always eat their own. The ones that helped them get there are the ones that get taken out first. And it strikes me, Jeffrey, that the playbook called for certain things to happen in order. You know, bang, bang, bang. And, and that four or five years of Trump's intermittence, right? His interruption to that plan, I think, has set their timing so far off that we're seeing the bad guy sticking to the plan, even though it's obvious and it doesn't make sense from a timing point of view. So I see exactly what you're saying, and I agree it's imploding. The question is, how do we harness that? How do we benefit from that? How do we take back our 
our territory, because you, you made that point. You said, you know, the land of the, the, sorry, the law of the landless. Are we in fact landless? Can we reclaim that? Can we take our heritage back? Can we, can we take these new people coming across the border and turn them into Americans? Because I don't think there's any other way about how we're going to save our country. So, and I and I didn't I forgot to say that she she was fired because she dared to sue J.P. Morgan Chase uh, banksters, uh, leveraging the Jeffrey Epstein sex crimes and turning a blind eye to that. So it's all part of this giant system. But the FTX is collapsing that financial system uh, anyway. I think the debate God. is whether they want to collapse it or they want to control it. Uh, I'm not sure. What which is which of that? But I do I followed the Epstein stuff a lot. I followed the graves, the little graves that they built the tele, tennis courts over that. Showed some yeah. tape even of little girls inside the uh, altar. But again, to me, it looks like uh, even though we cannot uh, hold any ground in the federal lawfare system, uh, that they are losing terrain daily, yeah. just like in China. So. Am I For sure you you spot agree on with that as well? Absolutely. And, and the FTX thing, that's my backyard. So I can tell you that many months ago, prior to the whole blow up, Bill Clinton and all of his pals were actually visiting with the, the Bahamian government and with uh, the FTX people. And the, the plan was to use FTX as a carbon credit trading platform not just for any old carbon credits, but the ones that, that are personally attached to us through the central bank digital currency, that there would be a system of debits and credits based on our production of CO2 or use of resources, and that that's what was going to be traded on the FTX platform. Um, and, and the fact that it got blown up, the fact that the, the Democrats and the rest of the bad guys, you know, the, the Uniparty, um, stopped you know, getting their money from the Ukraine money laundering, shows me that that was an attack, a very carefully planned attack, because now we see the rollout of the Fed coin. That is the U.S. version of, of the central bank digital currency. And you don't hear anything about it. It's in the beta test right now in the Northeast United States. Nobody's talking about it. I don't see it implemented anywhere. Again, I think they're out of their timing element and everything is mixed match and it's not working. So I think this is actually quite fortuitous. Yeah, you know, I often quote uh, Pete Blaber, who was a Delta Force Squadron uh, commander, that uh, plans are useless, planning is invaluable, but develop the situation. And I agree with you. They just seem to be locked into the uh, plan, into the global plan, which will will never work. No plan survives the first uh, five minutes of contact. The enemy always has a vote. Um, so I also wanted to ask you about, before we get into uh, the meat of the stuff you guys are working on, uh, and I'm privileged to uh, – uh, observe is the Brunson case. Uh, Barnes, uh, you know, the who has a big um, show, was talking about how un- he's not going to make people happy. But the truth about the Brunson case is uh, that it is really not going to to go anywhere. And uh, first, he's saying that um, it's the Brunson case is not scheduled for hearing. It is simply a petition for a writ of certiorari that's been scheduled for conference. Um, yeah, is that your understanding as well? Yeah, it's on the conference calendar. It's on the docket for that. But it, the fact that it made it there by itself is really quite interesting. There's a little bit of a backstory, and, and I don't want to take away from Mr. Barnes. He's a you know notable lawyer, a litigator, and he does all of that a lot more than I do. Um, having said all of that, there are some circumstances worth noting. 
Number one of which is the the number the, the Rule 11 petitions to to get on the dock of the Supreme Court with such a, a motion, an appeal. It's called an interlocutory appeal, is unheard of. It just doesn't happen. I'd be surprised if it was one in ten thousand such petitions. Most of the time, the the Supreme Court writes back, "Thank you very kindly, you know, goodbye." This not only got onto the docket, but the clerk of the court actually called up the pro se litigants, um, Mr. Brunson, I guess, and said, hey, we yes. need more information about this. We need this to go into your petition. Um, and then they put it onto the docket, which means that at least one of the Supreme Court justices wanted to give this a, a shot to see if four out of the nine would agree to, to grant certiorari. That's what this hearing is about on the 6th is to see if four of the justices want to hear this thing. And if four of them do, it's going to go to hearing. It's going to get a, a, their day in court. And I just find the circumstances to be really quite remarkable, which it makes me hopeful. And I'm always hopeful. And so, the, and Barnes says that, he says, the Supreme Court is the best court uh, to help uh, advocates advocate on their own behalf. And I think the Brunson yeah. brothers have done a lot of that on their behalf. And I also... Um, uh, but uh, he, he he does say that looking at uh, the constitutional base of, basis of it, it looks uh, frivolous. When I read it, I will say, and I only spent a year in law school before I came to my senses uh, <laughs> and left uh, and got my master's. But um, uh, when you start talking about treason or very big generalities, um, that's hard to prove. You've got to get down into the weeds. And Brunson's argument uh, that uh, it it may have failed to set forth a legal precedent. The Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 58 requires a district court to set out a judgment in a document separate from the court's explanation for, uh, for the reasons. So uh, Barnes is saying it looks frivolous, it lacks merit. That's not so much a concern of mine because I know everything is decided by precedent and judges like attorneys have already made up their mind ahead of time uh, and then look for the precedent to decide what they are uh, doing. Yeah. But what I find very interesting is it took about 50 years for Roe to be overturned. I got, I had the honor, I was I had the honor of announcing that on my live Brighton TV uh, <laughs> show. It happened during a break, 50 years. And so what's the politics behind that? I think part of that was the way the new justices were treated and their families uh, were just uh, excoriated uh, and humiliated uh, in the process um, that that influences that. I think you also got to look that they're they're worried about getting scalia They're worried about getting solaced, uh, where uh, Esther Salas's husband and son were shot. Um, that's clear extortion because the Dems are saying, go ahead and uh, threaten the SCOTUS justices. So I'm wondering um, what's the calculation in there? Yeah for the moral and political uh, calculus behind the scenes. Because I think it was Roberts who released it. I said this a while. Roberts released early the decision on Roe, early himself. That's where I think that actually came from. So does that be. fit in? Does that, does that ethical and political uh, calculus fit into the placement of the Brunson case like it did with Roe? Yeah, I think all of the D.C. apparatus you know, fights for their territory. You were a special agent. You know how agencies fight for cases. Uh, the Bureau 
rolls in and, and, and takes it everything, everything over from the other agencies. It's the same thing in all of the apparatus. Look, I think the Supreme Court is very much threatened by the Democrats saying we're going to pack the court. It's not the first time you know, in our country's history that we've had more or less justices than nine. And, and this threat takes away the power of the sitting justices who've already made whatever their peace is amongst themselves. Ah, and so ah, now you're looking at them fighting for themselves and they've got this tool now. Ah, really, Congress? Really, you're going to do that? Well, you know, all we got to do is accept certiorari on this case and all of you are fired. So I think this is actually a weapon that the Supreme Court is using. Wow. I, that is brilliant. Oh my gosh. That's exactly what I was looking for. I always look for, you know, when you sign up an informant in the old DEA 202, there was actually a second motivation. Was it patriotic or money or revenge or, and, and it's always, almost always self-motivation. Sure. Um, and you just nailed that. Wow. That is, that is brilliant. That, and that's very, that's very hopeful. Wow. So they want to do it to preserve themselves and yeah, the and institution and they'll all unite they'll all unite that's right uh, that's right behind that um, yeah and so i think the, you had so it right the, by the way sorry say yeah, Jeffrey, i was gonna say i think you had it right by the way as it relates to the you know the roe v wade contest is that justices were being threatened and um nobody was coming to their protection Right. There are, as you well know, there are, there are agents that protect the Supreme Court justices. But I mean, from a political perspective, they weren't getting the protection that they wanted. It was very easy to, to give back to, to states the, the rights that they had the whole time and never should have had taken away. Um, and I think that the Supreme Court has actually found their strength now, which is that they have the ability to effectuate policy on a global scale, not just a, a national scale. Wow. That man, that right there is a great way to start the new. You should talk about that more uh, and get that out there because, well, so the Marshals Guard, normally the Marshals, the U.S. Marshals, the oldest federal agency, uh, peace officers guard, they're down, they're down about 50, 60 percent. I know them. Uh, they're, wow. they're pretty, they're the last to be corrupted because all they do really is, is either fugitives or, or court work. They don't do much else. Um so, the, and I remember a while back there was a, a bill going through to give uh, the justices more protection, uh, and um, Pelosi and uh, some of the other uh, uh, Democrats nixed that because they didn't want them uh, protected. So you're saying this is a way for them to protect themselves? That's I think so. That's really interesting. I think so. And and as it goes to the marshals, there's a couple of things that I think are worth noting. Number one. They were independent for such a long time and then came under the Department of Justice, I think, under Obama, which is a real yeah, shame. That's right. Um, yeah. Horrible move. But secondarily, you know, when the international economic emergency powers are enforced, it's called IEPA. And I was very surprised to see this in the first, I think, two months of, of Trump's presidency. He invoked IEPA. And back in the day when I did some work for the federal government, IEPA was used for civil asset forfeiture abroad meaning extraterritorial application of, of those laws. And it was the U.S. Marshals that effectuated that. And I yes. would be surprised if they weren't very busy doing that. You look at what Trump did with the Vatican Bank. You know, they effectively froze those assets, as I understand it. And, and the nexus is really quite simple. Any transaction that happens in U.S. dollars or U.S. assets outside of the, of the country are a sufficient jurisdictional basis 
to exercise extraterritorial jurisdiction. And I, I see elements of that every single day, Jeffrey, since Trump came into office, even through this farce, the, the Biden presidency, quote unquote, the IEPA is still in play, right? It's, it's happening. They are using this as a tool uh, to effectuate U.S. policy. And I think it's being done in the background. And, and frankly, it's fascinating. Well, so that would also fit with the, so I've talked, you know, I talked to marshals, I talked to, you know, because my peerage uh, and they're, they're really upset because they're down 50, 60%. Uh, they're, instead of going after seasoned drug dealers, uh, Humvees, they're Hummers, they're seasoned farmers, uh, farm equipment, you know, they're, they're very frustrated uh, by all of that. Uh, and plus, uh, back in the day, I witsecked, I put two guys in witness protection. And it was real smooth because the U.S. Marshals ran it. I just handed them off. They came out of trial. They came out of door, you know. But now, the witness protection program has been taken over by uh, the U.S. attorneys, and of course, you know, that just you know makes my head spin that an attorney is going to run a witness protection program because I know yeah. how that's going to work out. Plus, but they don't want any witnesses like that to talk. That's right. Same reason why they gave the Pakistani doctor. But so you're saying there that. This is lawfare from the Supreme Court and also through uh, you uh, what by con connotation there that uh, the federal law enforcement agencies are trying to defend themselves, too. And I guess yeah. that goes along with the. So I did that. I was honored when you asked me to do that um, whistleblower uh, talk yeah. for the FAA. And then you said there were like 300 FBI whistleblowers after that. Is that right? That's what I'd heard. Yeah. Um, and we helped one of them. But my understanding is that um, they didn't want to go through lawyers. Uh, and, and it makes sense, right? They're, they're law enforcement people. Um, but we, through the one that we did help, understood that there were, in fact, 300 different, um, not just DOJ, but FBI special agents that filed inspector general complaints themselves and became whistleblowers as a function of that. And I think that's enormously encouraging. Um, you know, it's such a big organization. I, what there's 20, 30,000 uh, FBI employees between agents and support staff, something like that. That's a huge organization. So 300 IG complaints would, would have an effect. It would be more than a blip uh, in my view, whether that changes policy, I don't know. But I think it's um, probably that's a fair representation of what you would see in all the other agencies. Everybody's just seeing you know, this horrible degradation of our country. Um, I had represented a couple of special agents in trying to get their vaccine exemptions from the U.S. government and, and was able to do that, by the way. So um, I helped U.S. attorneys. What I'm trying to impart to you is that there are still good people inside of the system. And what we're seeing is the control apparatus, the um, the directors, right, the, the very top level from U.S. Attorney's Office um, with the top echelon of these agencies are the ones that are really um, making everything, making everything hard to get through, making everything hard to accomplish, to letting prisoners out or no witnesses in the protection program, as you as you described. But they're subverting is the word I was looking for. They're subverting their own agencies. And this is why you're seeing the whistleblower complaints. Wow. That, that's the second thing I've learned today with you is I didn't know you'd represented uh, 1811s. That, yeah. That's acceptable. I know you about your, your military work because, you know, I've had Davis Yance and, and others on there and Sam Stigloff and, and other folks that we, we know. And, of course, uh, Dr. Colonel Pete Chambers, fa you know, fabulous uh, uh, Green Beret. 
but I didn't, I didn't know about that. That that's also because again, what we're seeing, what I see consistently is fourth generation resistance, uh, legal, ethical, nonviolent, but it is collapsing. China's collapsing. Yeah. The the DOJ system is collapsing. The FBI's got whistleblowers on the seventh floor in the conference room. I saw the the whistleblower where he goes, "Hey, they had their phones in the conference room during a during a classified briefing in the skiff. You can't do that." Well, that shows me that guy was in there. They, they yeah. are losing from the top. It looks to me like early Christianity um, revolutionary uh, resistance against Rome. Exactly. I like think that. so. That's happening. Wow, good people are still real. good people. And look at look at China. I think the biggest fear of the owners, right? I, I call the, the people in charge the owners because they do they own everything. Um, you look at China, all of a month ago, the, the Chinese were finding their spirit. They decided en masse that being locked up is probably worse than death. And they found their courage and they stood up to the Chinese government en masse. And what happened? The Chinese government lifted all the restrictions, they abandoned their, their COVID passport program. Okay, we, we've backed off now. That's a human spirit. That spirit is in all of us, Chinese or otherwise, even the people coming across the border. What we have to do is be able to harness that. Now that we know that it works, now that we know that they're afraid, now that we know things aren't going so well, we have to maximize that on, as a species. And I think, you know, for the most part, it's, it's sad to say it, the ones that, that caused all this are eating their own. They're the ones that got the shots. Look at Africa, India, China, Russia. They didn't take the mRNA and adenovirus shots. So who is going to survive this? Right? It's, not, it's not the blue-haired liberals right? the, that are running our government right now. And they're dying like flies. And so now is our opportunity to use that as a, as a force um, an overwhelming force, frankly, to, to take back our planet. It's more than just taking back our country. It's taking back our humanity. I, I agree completely. And of course, the church is very big in uh, China, even though they've taken the crosses yes. off. They've yes. required the crosses to come off churches and everything. You know, I had uh, Anne on uh, last week and, you know, Anne is great. And she's always so complimentary of me. I almost get embarrassed but she yeah. said at the end she said but what, what about kinetic war i'm like it's already happening the influx of illegals of military age fighting men coming across the yep. border it's not going to be american marines and soldiers that have to kill americans it's already foreigners when you see all these attacks in all these cities many of them are foreigners coming in because there's no connection there they'll be happy to kill That's off right. people and they they are that's the kinetic war, it's not, it's, I assess it's never going to be what it was, third generation stuff. Putin's doing yep. that in Ukraine for us, but it's not going to be that. But at the same time, so many others, and I think, and I worked the border for 10 years and I've worked, you know, from the Mexican-Arizona border down to Chile and everything in between, is you see a lot of um, non uh, Latin American folks coming across because the Latin American folks that are coming across. I've said this for a long time. I know them really well. They're family oriented, yep. uh, God oriented, hardworking, patriotic. They're not going to buy into all this left wing stuff. They're not going right. to turn out to be your your mindless zones. You're going to have to get now some, you know, AQA, Al Qaeda, Al Peninsula, you know, uh, AQA, KK, those guys. Well, yeah, that's a different story. Uh, then yeah. those are the ones who 
kick doors and kill kids and women and stuff. But a lot of what's coming across isn't going to to work. So that brings me to what you said before is how do we turn this and how do we turn this around to flank them and turn the Claymore around uh, through <laughs> lawfare, I really think is the correct term. So um, back to you on that. Well, you know, we've been talking about it for some time and, and it, it really goes back to even the whistleblower um, symposium that we put together. The call for action was in fact for people in those positions, um, law enforcement positions or, or regulatory positions to enforce laws that are consistent with the Constitution and not enforce ones that weren't. Effectively, don't enforce illegal laws, don't enforce illegal orders, and where you see uh, illegal activity, report it. And, and that's exactly what happened, whether that was the 300 FBI agents or, or the myriad of FAA um, law enforcement people that we were talking with, um, Bruce McGray and his people, there was a lot of IG complaints that came out of there. The, the point of this is it's our personal action. We've been calling for people to get involved, get off the couch and get involved, whether that's writing letters, filing a lawsuit, make an administrative complaint, file a criminal complaint, whatever it is, that's how we undid the military mandate. It wasn't me suing. It wasn't anybody else suing. And it sure as heck wasn't the Congress acting. What happened is hundreds of thousands of service members said no. And they filed their complaints and they stood up for themselves. They forced the military to listen to them. And if we can do that on a grand scale, if we can get John Q. Public to step up and do that, then we'll stop this. We'll take our country back. But it takes people being actively involved to accomplish that. that that's my hope. Makes sense. And, and, and so for the ones that folded, um, tragically, uh, like the Nobel laureate, and I work with Nobel laureates, uh, uh, Luc Montagnier said they'll all be dead in a decade. And yeah. we're seeing that. We're seeing that. We're seeing the, the healthy football players literally drop dead on the field. And then at the same time, then those that resisted, those that stood up, will be crucible. Iron sharpens iron. They will be tough. Not that it's going to go kinetically uh, conventional again, uh, but again, that is a factor. And so that that um, even though we're in a difficult time, I you're making a lot of sense and you are showing the way forward through a flanking maneuver. So it's not the straight up lawsuit. You know, it's it is a flanking maneuver that's working uh, excellently. And that, I think that's why you saw then the politicians coming on and talking about the whistleblowers. Yeah. Um, you know, and especially the FBI whistleblowers that that came out after you that that was, uh, I think, a result, a direct result of of all of your uh, work. And well, you, you were the you were the leader. You know, Jeffrey, I had you on the symposium because you're the living example of it. Right. You had done the whistleblower out, what, 20 years ago, a long time anyway. And, and, and that's leadership. And what I really wanted to impart to people is that there's life after you do that. that here you are. You're a successful guy. You've got all of that experience that, that built you into a stronger person, just what you had described. Um, and you're successful in private industry. You don't have to be a government agent to earn a living. And, and that whether that's military or whether that's in service to the federal government or even the state government, it, it's immaterial. What matters is your principles. You stood on yours, and that's leadership. And that's really what I wanted to impart. And seemingly it resonates with some. 
Yeah, and and just say, I mean, none of my whistleblower stuff ever went anywhere. You don't expect to, when you go through the OSC and the IG, yep. don't expect them to actually do anything. Uh, yeah, you know, it's but it's the act of going through that. That's right. Know, that it's the act. That, yeah. That's because the then they have to thing. listen, right? That that's that's the difference. When you file that paperwork, whether that's your own pro se suit or complaint to a, an administrative agency or a criminal complaint. All of those complaints must be investigated and reviewed. The same thing happened in the military. They filed IG complaints. They filed Article 138s. Um, they had exemptions. What they effectively did was papered the crap out of the DOD. Because if the government doesn't respond to those, you get a default judgment one way or another. It's deemed admitted. And so they are forced to take away resources to whatever it was, the, you know, the blue-haired army that they're raising, God knows what. But they can't allocate those resources as they had planned because they were not taking into account how many people would stand up to them and say no. And that's really where we're winning. It's almost like a, a war of attrition where every time we frustrate their timeline and they have to stick to it, they become obvious. And every time they become yeah, when, obvious, more people find courage. Yeah, when Yance uh, was representing the uh, the ensign, former SEAL, uh, yeah. and then the captains on the JAG board said, well, I didn't know that Comnati had never been produced. I'm going to go right. back and to my command and talk. The real, the real force multiplier there was the captains on the JAG board going back. That yes. that was the real win. Um, it is from a force multiplier point of view, from a psyops point of view. I I thought. Um, so well, and it's leadership, we, right? The, the the fact that people were willing to stand and say no, that's an illegal order. I am not following it. You know, that that led to some 25 percent of our military saying no to the shots generally. And and some of them had their one shot, never went back for the second or much less the third. It's just the it's the act of standing that, that really led the way. So I, I really appreciate it was Billy Mosley, I think, was the um, the litigant in that particular case. And, and God love them. They, every one of those people are heroes to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing is people think that when you are bombed or when things get hardened that weakens resistance but actually it solidifies uh resistance right. uh, even more so I, I really want to get into um what you're working on now with the 5g uh and there are lots of report and i'm i get to be on those uh emails but uh i'm trying to keep up with that and i got all, all my notes here but there's now uh Journal journals coming out in um, medical journals, and I think it's the NIH uh, saying yep. that um, there's clear documented evidence that the uh, 5G and the radiation is affecting the DNA. Yes, uh, and uh, and it's and once you start to see that in the mainstream journals that had been corrupted, had been bought off, that to me is a, a huge inflection point. So can you kind of walk us through all of that with the 5G sure. and the uh, and the uh, street lamps and all of that? Sure. Well, let, let's start with Wuhan itself in 2019. On October 30, I think it was 31st, a Halloween night, 2019, Wuhan became the first 5G city. They, the Chinese turned on 10,000 5G transmitters, many of which were, were actually sending out signals at the 60 gigahertz range. At 60 gigahertz, depending on how much power is included in, in that signal, it separates oxygen from nitrogen. It effectively has what's called oxygen-absorbing properties. 
you might remember seeing the Chinese policeman standing there on the road. Next thing you know, he falls over dead. They had the yeah, power yeah. and did. They asphyxiated people remotely. Now, Huawei, the world's biggest whoa, producer whoa, whoa. of 5G. So, that wasn't, so those guys falling over was for real. That was not staged. Those were not staged, no. Lots and lots of people died in, in Wuhan. Um, you know, okay. but, but COVID. Just like, just like Ashley Babbitt. Just like Ashley Babbitt is. She really died, but she was yeah. probably the only one around there, uh, just like Brian Terry, probably the only one around there that wasn't in on it. That makes well, total it, sense to me. Right. So, I mean, Chinese, like every government, everything's dual use, right? What do they care if, if another Chinese die? I mean, they kill a million something year Uyghurs just to harvest their body parts. The Chinese don't give a crap about their citizens, whether they're a policeman or not. It's irrelevant. They, 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 they harness them, they use them for, as a tool, nothing more than that. So what was interesting about Wuhan is right after this whole thing happened, you might recall that 21 million Chinese devices came off board. They were on the 5G um, bandwidth. And it was either the, the giving up of the, the subscriptions themselves or the, um, the devices themselves, 21 million of them went missing in November of that year. So the Chinese figured it out. The next city to get hit was Milan. That was also one of the first 5G cities. Right after that was New York City. Again, there's a direct correlation between the 5G implementation and people's um, symptomology that they were calling COVID. There does appear to have been a man-made pathogen that was released, but it seems as though, according to that correlation, which we can demonstrate, it's actually the EMF signal that causes the, the, the body to become weak and exposed to this, becomes a, a breeding ground at certain frequencies, and, and including the, the Philips blue lights. What we came to find is the, the hydrophilic bonds that hold our cells in place. They hold the water inside of our cells, get weakened. And when those are weakened, it becomes a breeding ground for bacteria. So here you're seeing what looks to be, you know, a virus spreading, but it's got these bacterial qualities. People were getting walking pneumonia at the same time they're getting something called a, a COVID virus. So there is a, a correlation and a conjunction between the EMF signals and the pathogen itself. That's been clearly demonstrated. Dr. Vliet um, has gone into great lengths with that. And her point, she's a, she's a board certified psychiatrist, by the way is that if you are the owners and you're the ones that want to depopulate this planet, they're control freaks. There's no way that they're going to let a pathogen loose that they can't control. So she said it's completely in line with that mentality that they would want to be able to control when, where, and how these deaths happen. And use of the, the EMF does that at different frequencies. And, and some frequencies do good things to the body. Some frequencies do bad things. But we've known all along the easiest example I can give you, it must be 2013, there was congressional testimony from a doctor who said, we give lab animals diabetes by exposing them to the same frequencies as 5G so that we can test diabetes drugs on them. So they've known about this for eons. Our, our government, dating back to the Defense Intelligence Agency in 1976, has been studying this. So we have all the paperwork. It's not like the government didn't know that. And while there are safety standards in Europe, as to how much and what frequency you can use, there are none in the United States. Now that also, so they so they turn it up to uh, shut everything down and kill off some cops and kill off some populations, but they can also turn it down and That's with right. the boosters then control. And that goes along with the, I'm looking here. Uh, and what frequency too. It's not always a 60 gigahertz frequency. However, 
it's worth noting that the, um, the ventilators in the hospitals also operate at a 60 gigahertz signal. So if they turn up the, the power enough at that signal, it will actually um, create that oxygen absorbing property. It's at the 60 gigahertz uh, frequency. Now, now, so that that ties into the fact that there there's data that shows uh, that 100 percent of the COVID-19 vaccine deaths were caused by just 5 percent of the batches uh, produced, according to official government data. So somebody's looked at the VAERS data uh, here and there is a how bad is my batch yeah. um, app that you can figure out. So that part of it is targeted, too. So all of it is targeted sure. from. Well, you can see from, it. You bet. So okay. we were watching exactly that. Sorry, go ahead, Jeffrey. I apologize. No, no, no. So it's it's you're right. Any and I said this from the beginning. The fur and cleavage clearly shows uh, that it was modified. That's obvious to anybody yes. in that space, even even a um, a civilian like me, a non doctor. But the but the um, it's never been a shotgun um, method. It's always been a sniper method, whether it was the do of the 5G or the or the uh, vibrational frequencies of the EMF or uh, the batches uh, of the vaccine. So yep. that I think leads into then when you start organizing, it's 5% of this. And also here's the data. Uh, you know, I'm looking at, uh, I think, uh, yeah. Dr. McCullough, who on to publish the article about the irrational approach to vaccine you put all that together, then you add the insurance issues, and now don't you have a lawfare way forward outside sure. of the federal government? Sure, you do. I just want to, I'll come back to insurance in a moment, but I wanted to endorse one of the things that you just said. You know, one of the ways that we know that this was a planned attack is, is by the results of their own testing. So you might recall there was a, a uh, Pfizer post-market study that came as a result of the FOIA litigation that Judicial Watch um, prosecuted. And they forced uh, Pfizer to release something like 50,000 um, pages per, per month. One of those documents was the post-market study. And in that, in the Appendix 1, there are 1,291 serious adverse events of special interest, quote-unquote, meaning in addition to the 20 or so symptoms that or side effects that they expected, including death, you know, Guillain-Barre syndrome, um, strokes, pericarditis, myocarditis, in addition to those that even the FDA said that they expected, 1,291 serious adverse events of special interest. Why are they special interest? Well, if you listen to Dr. Uh, Long, who was properly trained as a medical doctor at Fort Detrick, our bioweapons center of the military, right? That's what they do for a living. She said it would take months or years to set up all of the testing to arrive at 1,291 separate diagnosis. And this was the six-month post-market, as it's called, observational study. In other words, they had to prepare these diseases to be tested for, some of which she had never heard of. In fact, she said most all of those are so rare, a doctor would never see them in their entire career. And yet somebody had prepared the test to look for these. Right. So it was absolutely a designed weapon. It was released with the ingredients changing as often as they wanted to because it was a clinical field study. And there's no requirement to tell the FDA um, when it's less than 50 percent of the ingredients change, you don't got to tell them. 
So all of this was and continues to be a grand experiment in pathology. That's what it is. They've got 7 billion of us that they can use as their laboratory animals, and we're in the middle of it. It just so happens that half of us woke up and decided not to participate. You know, that's so funny because I was at a, uh, you know, I, I'm a competitive intelligence biotech consultant for the good guys only. And I was at a, um, a uh, ranch where I was teaching uh, native horsemanship to the scientists and their families and stuff. And I, so I get to interact with, you know, Nobel laureates and the best scientists in the world. And I asked one guy, um, hey, you know, do you think it was created? Because I knew my answer. But I, and I just listened. Sure. He goes, no. Well, why not? He goes, well, it would take too long. I said, well, how long would it take? He said, 20 years. And I'm like, yes. oh, well, that's, a, that's the exact marker for the Chinese unrestricted warfare doctrine to, to come out. And, and you right. just confirmed all of that. So well, we it's know just it. everybody's very. Yeah, no, we, we, we know that the the military has been working on, you know, mRNA applications and gene modification from at least 2005 In 2001. They said they already had the technology. It's in their own documents. This whole, you know, vaccine thing is a military operation. It was designed by the DOD. Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson, AstraZeneca were just manufactured. They were they were hired to manufacture this. This was a DOD program, and they had been testing mRNA for more than 20 years. They already knew everything that was going to happen because all of the laboratory animals died. And the first study that they released was C459-1001, 44,000 military uh, and their families that they tested with real-time data coming out of something called an EPCR device, meaning that when the shots went in, when the, um, the introduction of graphene hydroxide et al. happened, there are devices that could actually read the internal functions of the body, and they were broadcasting that to an Israeli company. They had real-time live data coming out of it. They knew exactly what was happening the whole time, and they just chose to carry on with the genocide instead of stopping it. And, and, so, and so that's DARPA and BARDA and now that's ARDA. Right. That's right. So so much for the – so if you're still saying you know, the military is in charge as a singular entity is – nope. Uh, you know, that's, that's not that there aren't good patriotic military folk. They are, but not, but not at the top. They've been that's right. either forced out. Uh, so that's fascinating. Um, of, of course, Lugar and Obama went to Ukraine in 05 uh, to set up the biolabs. And Pelosi yep. just went to Indonesia to set up some new biolabs because Putin has interdicted a lot of the Ukraine biolabs. And now I'm hearing about African underground uh, Biolab that started um, uh, HIV AIDS uh, yes. stuff as well. Yeah, some time so ago. That's really yeah, you've got it right. Please, go ahead. I missed that. So Sorry, please go ahead and talk about. So now talk about the the. Uh, so the, I know the second largest insurance firm uh, classifies five G as a high impact liability risk in their annual. Uh, yeah. risk report, uh, and that nobody is certifying this. And yes. so this looks like a way to go after lawfare, completely bypassing uh, the federal FBI, DOJ obstructionists, uh, and go yeah. and just put a multitude of, of suits out there. But I, but I want to hear your you know expert analysis of if that's correct and how that should be done. And is that what we should be doing for 2023? Well, it, it is correct. You know, um, Lloyd's of London, which is the, the biggest broker of insurance and reinsurance in the world, 
had refused to underwrite even 4G applications, electromagnetic telecommunications devices. So it's again, it's not like they didn't know. It's a range of frequencies and powers that they simply refuse to be involved with because they're aware of the damage. So they're not going to they're not going to underwrite it. In fact, it's in the exclusion clauses of a lot of the contracts um, that you might buy. Um, your telecom contracts, for example, they'll, they'll, there's a disclaimer in there. Um, so the answer is that's correct. It's a really great way to go about it um, because whether that's municipalities um, who who actually buy third party insurance, not all do, right? Cities and counties, particularly in Colorado, don't. They effectively self-insure, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't reinsure. They would go to the, the London market for reinsurance. In other words, they're going naked. So if you have the opportunity to, to file suit and win, um, great, then where's that money coming from? It's not, it's not the city or the county's personal money, but it does affect their budgets. Having said all of that, I think it's a two-pronged approach. Number one, you know, we've already developed some um, pro se uh, complaints for people. That's a, that's a starting point. They can get them at five small stones or Vax Choice. We continue to upgrade them all the time. But secondarily, the Australians some years ago actually had a lot of luck, and I think the Peruvians have too, filing a criminal complaint with their local law enforcement because the use of these instrumentalities, knowing how dangerous they are, is in fact an assault or a battery or both, depending on what this local statute state. And the Australians were getting these shut down city by city. Um, and I have seen some anecdotal um, success with that across the United States uh, on a case by case basis. You know, it's literally cities and counties or municipalities. The, the point is that people can complain regulatorily to their, their telecom regulator or their health and safety people. Um, they can complain criminally. And again, we'll release a, a draft complaint. We've done it before, we'll do it again. And then lastly, civilly, you might've seen Children's Health Defense filed a lawsuit about a month ago and it had 9,000 pages of exhibits of evidence. That is in the record, that is public, people can use that. So we've, we've got the tools and again, we have an opportunity to just paper the tar out of people. And, and we really have to do that if there ever was uh, a more imminent threat, I doubt, right? The weapons system is already in place. Uh, some of the notable doctors that, and scientists that consult with us said this is, this is way better than a, than a nuclear war, right? Because you have the exact same effect. You effectively nuke everybody, um, but you haven't destroyed the infrastructure. So how better would you wage a war than this? I, I'm so glad you said, I keep saying that. Pete James is one of the few guys I have on that is not still locked into the idea of third generation kinetic war or nuke war. I'm like, yeah. it's irrelevant. It, it, this right. is so much more effective for them than mad mutual surgical section doctrine yeah. worked. But I want to cl clarify that it's not Pfizer. It's not the legal drug cartels because they wrote into that they were uh, immune. They wrote into all their contracts yeah. that they were immune to suit, but it is the municipalities, the hospitals, uh, all of those structures, which is where we want to turn the clay more anyway, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. To take it's it's those instrumentalities that actually matter. If you're sick, where do you go to the hospital? If you've got a, a robbery in progress, where do you go? Right? It's, it's the police department. It's all of those local things. You're, everybody knows you're not going to get anywhere if you call the FBI over some you know local theft. It, these are the people that we actually have some level of control over. We can go knock on the police chief's door. We can go and have a relationship with the sheriff and the deputies. Right? Those are our neighbors. And, and you made mention this a little while ago. You said there's nothing stopping the invaders from, from actually perpetuating the, 
the police powers and military powers against us. That's right. Hitler did that in 1937. He, he brought the brown shirts in to create chaos and hatred between the local police, the local military, and the people that lived there so that he could bring in foreign and federal troops um, to effectively you know, gather up the undesirables and take them away. We're watching the exact same thing happen here. We saw it in Ottawa when the, the Canadian police started hanging out with the, the truckers, the protesters. They weren't doing anything wrong. They sat and had barbecues together. Next thing you know, there. four. Or maybe I froze up there. I don't know. Can you hear me now? Yes. Jeffrey can. Okay. I was going to say yeah, four white, four white C-141s rolled in immediately thereafter, full of mercenaries who put on police uniforms to go and beat the hell out of the Canadians because the local cops wouldn't do it. So we can, we can use that, right? We can go and have that relationship with the local police, with our, our local national guard people. All action is local, and there is no law without law enforcement. So we've got to co-opt to those people, bring them onto our side to see what the truth is, to protect ourselves. And that includes the 5G thing. Hey, you know, Deputy Smith, that thing is killing you and your family too, and let me show you how and why. I'm going to make a criminal complaint. Let's do something about it. Yeah, that's excellent. And besides National Guard, it should be State Guard or State yeah, uh, right. Defense Force. Forget the National Guard. Yeah. So you're, you're right. So again, it's it's dradvocates.com. It's five small stones, uh, dot com. That's right. And then VAX and choice, VA double X choice. VA double X uh, choice dot com. And then you're also That's talking right. about Kennedy's Children's Health Defense. Uh, you mentioned them um, as well. Uh, so and that that fits in with developing local forces. That's exactly you know, what I did in the 80s in Special Forces is FID, Foreign Ontario Development, neighboring up, uh, and what ODA 529 did, 595 at uh, after 9-11 is going in and neighboring up uh, there. But it's not with, it's not against the the big international corporations. It's not against the federal government. It's at local levels to make all that um, happen. So then that right. segues into if you would talk now about the research uh, on the street lamps uh, and yeah. the levels, my, as I understand. So I, one little thing I did was I got the marshals in Portland uh, anti-laser goggles because several of them were, were getting blinded. And when Beautiful. I talked to the marshals, why, why don't we have these? Why? And I'm like, cause you're working for the G they don't care here. And then they went and <laughs> got them. Uh, but uh, <laughs> But uh, sadly, but true. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no, all our gear is, you know, from the lowest bidder. Um, so uh, but with the jab and the boosters, that makes everybody much more vulnerable to these other yeah. systems that That's they right. are now turning on. Uh, and so uh, talk about that and, and what can be done about that from a long yeah. perspective. I think that you've got that exactly right. I was talking earlier today with Lisa. You know, she's one of our researchers with Vax Choice, and a really remarkable, bright woman. And um, and she'd asked the very question that you alluded to, which is, um, if they flick the switch on this system, it, it's already on. The five G is already on. The question is, is it cranked up enough, and what frequency is it is it using? Right. Those are the two concerns that you have because. It, depending on the power and the frequency is, is what kind of malady, death or destruction they can cause. It's going to necessarily be more harmful 
if if the desired effect is harm, that's going to happen to the people that got the shots. In the hydrogel, we have found cesium-137 that turns into barium-137. It's a radioactive isotope that binds with living tissue and effectively turns it into a transmitter, transistor, amplifier, and transducer. And this is what I was making reference to with the EPCR device in, in the clinical field trial the military did, is once that is in the body from the shots, your body is now sending out signals on a, on a 4G and 5G uh, range, and, and in fact, 6G. One of the attributes is that when the shots have, have been put into place and their 16-digit MAC addresses are popping up, there is a lot of science that shows one gigahertz of, of signal going in puts a terahertz of signal coming out. It's a different frequency and different amplification. My point in saying that is that these transmitters, which are everywhere now, are going to have a direct effect on the people that had the shots. The rest of us are swimming around in this radiation all day, every day. Those devices now have phased arrays, right? Which means they're targeting devices, they're targeting people. People that got the shots are devices now, right? So they are effectively their own targeting mechanisms, target, target acquisition. But the rest of us who aren't vaxxed, that don't have the hardware installation, as Moderna called it, and we, if we didn't have a device like the Chinese, we ditched our 5G devices, then we're just swimming around in undirected radiation, right? Which our bodies will have some, some ability to fight off. It goes back to the question of how much energy and what frequency does what to those hydrophilic bonds inside of our bodies. And what Dr. Vliet will tell you is that depending on the ampl amplitude and the frequency, they can recreate with, um, with those towers every kind of symptomology in a human body that is known to science, including the 1,291 weird things that they discovered in the shots. The, the diseases we haven't even seen before can be created by virtue of the digitization of our DNA and the amplitude and frequency that they use in the towers. So it, with that knowledge, right, it all goes back to one thing. It's the towers. It's, it's the devices themselves. It's the frequencies and the transmitters that are the imminent threat. And that's something we've got to take care of. And if nothing else, if we all stand up, we all file our complaints, civil, administrative, criminal, it doesn't matter. If we do that, we're going to at least stall this long enough, right? We're going to paper the crap out of them and then get the decision makers thinking, you know, oh, my family's getting radiated too. You know, so-and-so is sick. They, they, why, why are they running a 60 gigahertz signal on a, on a respirator in a hospital? Why does the Chinese WeLink transmitters, they're about six inches big. They're on every building now in the big cities. Those are produced by Huawei. Right? That's not a friendly company to us. And they're all transmitting a 60 gigahertz signal, which again, absorbs oxygen out of the air. Why would somebody want to do that? It's not a function of whether this is going to happen. It's happening right now. The question is, what are we going to do about it? And also, I was talking to Team America has been working on the 5G towers. Uh, these are tough, tough um, problems, but we're aware of them and working on them. I was also talking to a Team America doctor just last night. Uh, saying that hyd the hydrogel is being put in almost everything, yes. just like there is GMO almost in everything. That's now, right. for me, you know, I live way out in the country. Uh, you know, I tell my 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 teenage daughter just got a phone. And I'm like, well, if you don't want, if you still want to get a signal, at least put the the bag, the soft bag, in between you and your body, 
Yeah, um, good. Or keep it up. You put it in a purse or something like that if you are just going to uh, bag it up. But what's the uh, – he, he had referenced that, but he didn't really remember. Is hydrogel in everything just yeah. like almost GMO is in everything, just like yes. uh, toilet to tap water has a lot of COVID in California? Yeah. Sadly, that's true. You know, right after the Congress uh, passed the 2023 NDAA that, that revoked the military mandate, we had a sailor um, get a hold of us and, and said, OK, fine, they're not going to push me on the COVID anymore, but they're insisting I get my flu shot right now. And I'm really worried about it. So we started looking at the flu shots, the ones that the military use. Sure enough, the hydrogels in there, along with a lot of other ingredients that are just as bad or worse, um, one of which is fatal if inhaled. And that's the same ingredient in now the, the the nasal version, the inhaled version of the flu vaccine. We found it in insulin. We found it in all kinds of tetanus shots that they put the hydrogel into every injectable that we can see. And I think there will be a market going forward, kind of like clean blood. People will, now that they're aware of this, they will pay for pharmaceuticals that don't have the hydrogel because that is what effectively is turning people into you know, transhuman into SynBio or Borg, as, as the NASA Langley research paper called the Vaxxed. So we're, we're, we're going to this parallel economy out of necessity, Jeffrey, because if we're choosing to remain human, choosing to be free and not owned by somebody else, and having clean blood and, and, and clean injections, you know, with insulin, for example, you know, we will have to develop those markets ourselves. There, there are enough of us. Half of the world didn't go for this, didn't fall for the trick. That's enough of us to develop our own parallel economy, and we must do it. Yeah, there and there's, you know, actually China itself has rejected the the American-made mRNA, although yeah. they've got their own. But Japan and India, India in particular, I think is uh, an ally, just like uh, Russia is an ally in all of that. But you're right; those yep. those are emerging biotech uh, counter markets to the GRIN, the genetics, robotics, information, nanotechnology, uh, weaponized markets that are that are so important uh, to the WEF and everybody else trying to control us. So, and so wh wh where do you see the major lawfare inflection points uh, for 2023? I, I, I think we've kind of covered them in the, in the, in the law, but I want you to yeah. sum up before sure. we wrap up is, uh, the insurance, uh, the locals, the, 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 the rejection of hydrogel and GMO stuff. Can you just kind of uh, sum those up? Yeah, I can. And it's something we haven't actually talked about exactly, but I, I have to tell you, I'm extraordinarily encouraged. So March of 2020, um, I, with my law partners, drafted a form criminal complaint because we knew all of this was happening. I was in the vaccine business. I know these people. Um, you can read the complaint. It's it's a vax choice. It's everywhere. Nothing has changed. All of the exhibits, everything still works. My point is that it was a criminal complaint. In the first month alone, 20,000 of those were downloaded and filed around the world. Right? Nothing happened. So for almost three years, nobody in government has decided to look at this genocide in a criminal light. Not even in a civil light, because there were immunities provided. You, you made reference of that. You're right. It's the CARES Act, the CARES Act, and the PREP Act provide complete immunity protection to, to COVID countermeasures. So despite all of that, what I'm saying to you is that now we have Governor DeSantis who went to the, the Supreme Court of Florida and got the agreement to impanel a grand jury, which are used for criminal charges. And they're going to look into this and they're going to find 
that there are criminal charges that must be brought, you know, based on a probable cause basis. It's not a very high legal standard. Um, and now you're seeing the same thing in some respects with Putin is doing in Donbass. Some months ago, he opened um, war crimes tribunals in Donbass. The international criminal law, which was born of Nuremberg, 1945, 46, and 47, created crimes against humanity, which also created something called universal jurisdiction. It means anybody has the right to pursue charges. Anybody with any authority whatsoever, that's a meter maid and a traffic court, could actually start proceedings for crimes against humanity. And that's precisely what Putin is doing in Donbass. It also allows for extraterritorial applications of sentencing and tries in absentia. Trials in absentia. That means Putin could put on trial Anthony Fauci and, and say, hey, Leak, you've got to come and defend yourself in this proceeding. And if you don't, it doesn't matter. We're going to try and sentence you anyway. And they would be able to effectuate the sentence. They would be able to carry out that sentence because they're of such a power in this world that they could, in fact, extraterritorially apply that sentence. My point in telling you this is the whole world has changed from, no, 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 I can't see anything, I don't want to know it, I don't want to hear it, to, holy cow, this is criminal. We've got a, a, a major power in this world that is actually saying it is, and they're going after it, whether that's the bioweapons labs or other crimes against humanity. At the same time, we've got the governor of Florida, one of the biggest states by population in the United States, who's actually pursuing this. I'm, I'm shocked that he is because I thought he was on the other side, to be frank with you. Um, but nonetheless, this is happening. It's now out of his hands and it's in the hands of regular Floridian citizens who are going to make a determination as to whether crimes have been committed. And then there's going to be a case presentation where these charges will be brought. And it's just uh, it's huge to me to see this moving from from nothing at all past the civil realm straight into criminal. I think that's monumental. And that tells me that other law enforcement are now going to be receptive to hearing those complaints from people. So people want to file a criminal complaint. Please, we can help you with that. It, it could be 4G, 5G. It could be the shots, anything you want. That's it. It's the power of bringing the, the law enforcement to our side, right? Because they're the ones tasked with effectuating government policy. And if they say no, kind of like what we did with, with the whistleblowers, then there is no illegal law because it's not being enforced. That's, I think that's the way the lawfare works for us to take it back is we take law enforcement under our own belt. Don't allow somebody else to be in charge of that. And the c criminal complaints, I think you've got some um, templates up. Yes. Is that at yes. Vax Choice? It is. On it's Vax, Vax Choice. Choice. It's at truthforhealth.org. People can download them and, and fill in the blanks for themselves. All of the exhibits are there. The evidence is there. The complaint, the form, the law, it's all there. They literally just have to fill them out. And we had a whole bunch of mama bears. That's where mama bears came from. It was a bunch of angry moms in Colorado. Um, that downloaded and beat down the doors of the cops and filed these things um, and, and with their local county sheriffs and, and police departments. So this has happened. And now I think we got a second bite at the apple and we can help people do that. So it's uh, vaxchoice.org. It is nope, vaxchoice.com. No, vax you see, you'll find it at vaxchoice.com, truthforhealth.org. And I believe it's up on fivesmallstones.com. And that's the number five. That And the third gem that you just put out here, uh, this is really a great way to start off the new year, is uh, I've talked both about uh, DeSantis and Putin uh, as allies, and I've actually said DeSantis is more of an ally because he didn't let the um, 
DOJ election monitors who are really saboteurs in, yeah. which puts, in my estimation, better than Trump. You know, Trump's not the answer. Nobody's the answer. We're the answer. God's the answer. But yeah. uh, effectively, there's two fronts. There's an internal front uh, now on this against this uh, biodigital weaponry uh, internal front through Florida, through DeSantis and the grand jury. But there's the external front, the kinetic third generation warfare that's happening uh, in Russia. And of course, uh, Russia is gaining uh, financial credibility because it has resources. Yeah. It's got gold, right. oil, and gas. Uh, and, and everybody's timber. moving to that. and timber, and the world's moving to that uh, as well. So uh, again, that is a very hopeful way to look at that. I think that, but that's really, really important. Um, you know, we're supposed oh, to be I'm able encouraged. to fight two wars, but I don't think I think latest thing they've said, well, we we can't do that, and certainly nobody's joined the military. No. No, not not a chance. We put that in front of the court. You know, I had oral arguments in our case, Robert V. Austin, the 18th of November. And I put that in in front of the court. It's in our pleadings that there is a, a 25 percent deficit in our military as it is. Those are either people that have separated or are being separated. And the military is 25 percent deficit on recruiting that they can't. And that's what they're admitting to. That's actually in the congressional record. I think it was Senator Weiss put that into the congressional record. The, the point of which is we're not able to replace the, the attrition and the service members are not going back in. Right. One of the preconditions to Senator Johnson's hearing. And I know this because I have clients that were there and some who were invited and refused to go. Three preconditions. You don't get to talk about the 10,000 percent increased cancer rates. That's off limits. You can't mention that, even though that's fact. Number two, you can't say the word Nuremberg. Not allowed. We don't want to talk about that. Number three, there will be no accountability for the for the DOD for these shots. They'll they'll undo the mandate, but there will be no accountability. So what's happened now is they've they've disassociated, they've disaffected the entirety of their military who now sees what they're really about. But it's not like they're they're inviting back the people that they got rid of. They're not giving them their benefits. They're they're not saying, hey, we're sorry, come back in. We're not, they're not saying we're going to hold people accountable for this tragic mistake that killed so many and the rest who are dying. Well, so be it. But they have destroyed our military over and over by their actions and, and by their lack of leadership. This is intentional. There's no way around this. So forget about the military. I think you had it right a few minutes ago. You said it's about state guards. Right? The federal government is killing itself. We don't have to kill ourselves with it. Let's focus on just what you said. Let's take those disaffected people, build our state guards who are not national guards. Yeah, and, and being a warrior has nothing to do with a green suit or a blue suit or a green hat or an eagle feather. It's it's something that you want to do. That's what people don't understand. There's an old special forces saying, it's an old poster. It says, people don't join uh, join us because we're special, but because they are. People who wanted, want to do that. Um, yeah. And as they water down the standards, you're just not going to get the same kind of crowd that you were. You were looking. It's not a crowd; it's half a percent of the American population. Um, but they're still going to be warriors. They're just not going to be uh, signed up and and getting paid for it. Um, and I I don't know if I have talked to you since this, but a while back I, you know, talking to guys who were still in, they were saying that they weren't with their exemptions were just on hold. Uh, and their deployments were on hold. That is, they weren't throwing them out anymore. Yeah. 
they weren't taking their exemptions forward because inside they were just because they couldn't they didn't have enough people anymore. So they just kind of held yeah. the that's paperwork. Right. And that is resistance. That's exactly what you're talking about. You know, this is how you the cartels corrupt um, uh, border officials is just don't be just don't check a car at this time yeah. in this lane. Uh, yeah, is the exact opposite of this is just hold the paperwork uh, up. That's been happening for quite some time. I don't know if I had told you that or not, but that's another yeah. clear inflection point that they they are reactive. That's a good one. You know, thank God, and that and that shows right the the, the personal involvement of those commanders understanding the paradigm. We can rinse and repeat that, right? It, whether that's commanders or whether that's sergeants in the police force or or sheriffs, we can we can rinse and repeat over and over and save ourselves and save our country, frankly. Well, this has been a great way to start off the new year, addressing real problems, uh, but not uh, saying that it, you know, it's all hopeless and, uh, because it isn't hopeless. I am always hope filled and faith filled. And I'm so thankful uh, for you to uh, come on so we can follow you. So please name all your websites. And- <laughs> Time. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I make the rounds, don't I? So Disabled Rights Advocates is the name of law firm. It's dradvocates.com. Um, five Small Stones with the number five. FiveSmallStones.com is where we have a self-help legal symposium. People can download forms and get help. Um, VaxChoice, V-A-X-Choice.com is where we do daily updates. And it's a repository of all the evidence we've gathered. It's like a library. You can go back and look through anything you want. If you want to look for 5G, we got tons on that, on everything you can imagine. It's also where we launched the criminal complaint. That was actually why um, Facts Choice was created. And then lastly, people looking for solutions. If they've been injured, if actually injured family that have problems, go to Truth for Health. For is the, the word for, truthforhealth.org. And Dr. Vliet, who we, we work very closely with, has a lot of protocols uh, that, are, that are there for self-help, including chlorine dioxide and a variety of other things. Um, should there be, for instance, a, a Marburg pandemic, she's got one page uh, preps all ready for people to go. So go and have a look and support Dr. Vliet and what it is she does, too. And so anyway, thank you for, for having me, Jeffrey. It's such a pleasure to, to collaborate with you. Oh, no, my my pleasure. Yeah, I think I had you and uh, and Colonel Pete on Brighton about the Marburg thing back in the day. And I do want to get Lisa on uh, at some point, uh, too. But thanks so much Good. for coming on. Uh, and I think you're doing uh, great work. And thanks for giving us such a clear view. I'm really you've got everybody in the liberty space, in the lawfare medical space. Uh, they're all on. I see them all on there and trying to keep up with you. But it's great work. <laughs> I appreciate that very much, Jeffrey. You're the leader, brother. So I appreciate you. Well, thank you so much. God bless. All right. Well, that's the great uh, Todd Callender doing uh, great work. And really, I learned so much from that um, uh, interview. That really helped me a lot uh, to understand what is uh, happening. So um, wishing you and yours a blessed new year. But um, we're not always winning, but it's it's hard to see, but we will win. But I hopefully that you saw that from this uh, interview. But winning is difficult, demanding and always expensive. Tyrants always fall. Tyranny always fails. Graphene is not in our DNA, but freedom is. So fear not. God bless. Keep the faith and hold fast. We are winning. Remember, freedom is never given. 
It is earned. It is won. It is fought for and it is taken. So in 2023, make sure that you take it.